Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Carrie Antholis. This season of Jury Duty explores the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse, who was charged with the reckless homicide of Joseph Rosenbaum, the intentional homicide of Anthony Huber, and the attempted intentional homicide of Gage Grosskreutz. As Rittenhouse was the undisputed shooter of all three men, his legal team argued that the shootings were in self-defense. In our last episode, we concluded our review of Prosecutor Thomas Binger's closing argument in the trial. On today's installment, we begin our examination of the defense team's closing, as argued by Rittenhouse attorney Mark Richards. That's coming up right after the break. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. With Prosecutor Binger having completed his closing, after a break in the proceedings, Judge Bruce Schrader invites defense attorney Mark Richards to deliver his closing argument on behalf of Kyle Rittenhouse. Richards begins by presenting to the jury via the courtroom TV screens a still frame of the decedent, Joseph Rosenbaum, and he uses it to challenge the prosecution's characterization of his client. May it please the court, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, good afternoon. Showing you a snippet States Exhibit 18, which Mr. Binger just spent three or four minutes showing that Mr. Rosenbaum wasn't around. And my client couldn't know that he wraps his head in orange. Chain, bag, orange. As if echoing the early defense objections during his closing, Prosecutor Binger rises to object before Richards can finish his first paragraph. Ladies and gentlemen, we had this video almost as long as they've had this video. But Mr. Binger will use this video to lie to your faces and tell you that Kyle Rittenhouse was taking advantage of the situation. I object, Your Honor. It's in the picture. Um, it's argument. Richards continues his counteroffensive against Prosecutor Binger and his narrative. Ladies and gentlemen, this case is not a game. It is my client's life. We don't play fast and loose with the facts, pretending that Mr. Rosenbaum was citizen A number one guy. He was a bad man. He was there. He was causing trouble. He was a rioter. And my client had to deal with him that night alone. When I say that the truth matters and this is not a game, what do I mean by that? Mr. Binger is the one who put on the Kandiri brothers. The reason he put them on, in spite of what he might say today, is because he wanted you, now 18, soon to be 12 people, to say, gosh, that kid just went to that place and just protected it. He wasn't asked. He was asked. Mr. Kandiri's asked Nick. Nick got a group of people to go down there. The people from West Bend came. Provocation, another thing. Think back to back on November 2nd, when this case started. Did you hear one word out of Mr. Binger's mouth about provocation? 
you didn't because it was never said. But when his case explodes in his face, now he comes out with provocation. That was opening. And most importantly, in opening, quoting from Mr. Bigger's first paragraph of his opening statement on November 2nd, 2021. This occurred after the defendant chased down Mr. Rosenbaum and confronted him while yielding an AR-14. Ladies and gentlemen, you've seen the videos. Mr. Rosenbaum sees, and I'll show you the video in my closing argument. You'll see Mr. Rosenbaum take off when he sees my client coming along with the Zeminskis to set up the ambush of my client. Provocation? I don't think so. The things that I just pointed out to you, why is that a problem? Because one, he's lying. Two, he's misrepresenting. Or he wasn't prepared when he started this trial and his closing argument has been a change to try and fit what has come up. Remember how when he was talking, there's no proof that the Rosenbaums, excuse me, Rosenbaum and Zeminski knew each other? Maybe they didn't know each other that night, but they were together throughout the night. You see them together in pictures wreaking havoc in this city. And now we have the magic pixel camera that brings forth his provocation. I'm going to go through the charges and we'll talk about each one of them. Then I'll go through the witnesses and hopefully I'll bring it home in an honest and forthright fashion. Richards next enumerates the charges against his client, urging the jurors to assess these charges through a prism of common sense and good judgment. Count one, reckless homicide. My client shot Joseph Rosenbaum. Ladies and gentlemen, make no mistake, there was nothing reckless about my client's conduct that day in regards to Mr. Rosenbaum. Mr. Rosenbaum was coming at him my client ran from him, retreated, which is not needed, continues to run. The plastic bag is thrown, the metallic plastic bag. Kyle doesn't know what it is at that time. It causes him to turn and look over his shoulder, pointing the gun in that direction. Mr. Rosenbaum, is he dissuaded by that? No, he is not. He continues running and advancing on my client. That whole time, the state doesn't say anything about Mr. Zeminski firing the shot, Mr. Zeminski having his gun up. Think of the circumstances as they existed at 11.50 on August 20th, excuse me, August 25th of 2020. He runs through that parking lot. He continues running on. He turns as he comes into that box canyon with the cars, the van, and I believe it's a Pepsi machine, and he turns because he has no place else to go. I'll show you the Zanine video later on. What's important about the Zanine video, you see that mob of people destroying the cars at Car Source 3, which Mr. Binger doesn't want my client to go and try to protect, even though he was asked by those individuals to protect that property. Nick Smith called him, hey, they're bashing up the cars and starting fires go down there. He goes down there. He has as much right to go there 
as anybody else in the city of Kenosha and be unmolested by the likes of Joseph Rosenbaum, Kelly, and Joshua Zeminski. And Mr. Binger says, oh, we'll get the Zeminskis later. Well, ladies and gentlemen, last time I checked, this is still United States of America, and he has the burden of proof. If he wants you guys to believe that my client pointed a gun at him, call the Zeminskis, put him on the witness stand, ask him questions, and let me or Mr. Sharafasi cross-examine him. That's how we do things in a court of law, but not in Mr. Binger's court. He says, I'm blaming the victim. As a defense lawyer, I might get accused of that more than some other people. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Rosenbaum was shot because he was chasing my client and going to kill him, take his gun, and carry out the threats he made. And Mr. Binger wants to make a big hubaloo about the shot in the back. Remember his opening statement, he shot him in the back. And that's why I'm sitting here in front of the jury like this. Did he shoot him here? Did he shoot him there? Because of the way the bullet went in and where the bullet ended up in the hip, you know full well that the individual, and I asked the doctor, is on a horizontal plane. What is that horizontal plane consistent of? Somebody leaping, lunging at my client. And we know how close Mr. Rosenbaum was to my client. The furthest he could have been when it started, the first shot, four feet with the stipler. We know that his hand was on the gun. Mr. Binger wants you to believe that that was just happenstance and accident. Come on, people. Physical evidence does not lie. Use your common sense and good judgment. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Defense attorney Mark Richards continues his closing by dissecting the prosecution's narrative for why Joseph Rosenbaum was present for the civil unrest in Kenosha. He talks about Mr. Rosenbaum just somehow ending up down at the riots. Remember that? Mr. Rosenbaum, according to the testimony, walked from the bus center four miles out to Ms. Swartz's house, and then he couldn't stay there for some reason, and four miles all the way back. That's not just ending up. That's going someplace with a purpose, and throughout the night, you saw his purpose. And there was more than one piece of testimony about Mr. Rosenbaum, whether it was a hospital or whether or not it was a jail. Remember that? And there was testimony regarding his medication. Ms. Swartz said, we couldn't get medication. Mr. Binger, the man with the burden of proof, why didn't he bring in 
a hospital or a jail to prove that Mr. Rosenbaum was properly medicated. He'd been off his medications, according to Ms. Swart, for seven to 10 days. We know that he was acting like somebody who wasn't on their proper medication. He was not acting normal. Richards then moves on to the count of reckless endangerment as it pertains to Richie McGinnis, arguing that if Rittenhouse was privileged to act in self-defense with respect to Rosenbaum, it carries over with respect to the reckless endangerment of Richie McGinnis. Richie Richard McGinnis, reckless. And here, Mr. McGinnis, I'd like to talk about, because the self-defense does not go to Mr. McGinnis, but if Kyle was privileged in exercising self-defense against Mr. Rosenbaum, it carries over to the endangering count of Mr. McGinnis. And Mr. McGinnis, specifically, if the defendant, and I'm reading directly from an instruction, page nine, second full paragraph, which you will be given, if the defendant was acting lawfully in self-defense his conduct did not create an unreasonable risk to another. That is Mr. McGinnis. Ladies and gentlemen, when my client shot Joseph Rosenbaum, he feared for his life. He feared because of the prior threats, the prior statements, and the violent acts that had been witnessed by my client. Mr. McGinnis, as a witness, I think he helped us more than he hurt us. He talked about, and this was on cross for Mr. Binger. How do you know what Mr. Rosenbaum was thinking? Because I don't, but I know he yelled, fuck you, and then lunged at Kyle Rittenhouse. Why is he yelling the F you? One of two things. One, to intimidate, or two, he got into a situation over his head thinking, as he said before chasing him, you won't do shit, MFR. He states Kyle did not know Richard, that he was there, meaning Richard McGinnis. He's a citizen journalist who was running along with his hand, in his, his phone and his hand up in the air in to get a story. My client is not responsible for endangering him when he runs into danger. Plus, the instruction says that if he was privileged as to Rosenbaum, he's privileged as to count two, Mr. McGinnis. Richards then transitions to count three, the charge of attempted homicide of the unnamed complainant the defense has called Jump Kick Man. Count three, Jump Kick Man. The uncomplaining, unidentified, witness in count three. There'll be some video later on when I'm going through some of that. You'll see, and I ask you to pay attention. The state has said he's not kicking him. He doesn't hit him. When you watch the video, and it'll be in slow motion, watch where his foot goes, watch what happens to Kyle's head. The force of him kicking him in the face spins his body 180 degrees around. And then it's on. Huber coming in from behind, hitting him in the neck with the skateboard. Ladies and gentlemen, 
What you see throughout event number two, and this is the beginning of it, is individuals working in a mob. They, they don't know what happened at Car Source 3, event number one. But somebody said, hey, he shot somebody. Doesn't know that he was being chased by a crazy person. But they're going to get their licks in on Kyle Rittenhouse, or, as they perceive him, somebody from the other side who has been putting out their fires, causing problems for their, for them, stopping them from wreaking havoc in Kenosha like they did the night before. And, ladies and gentlemen, the standard is likely to cause death or great bodily harm. Great bodily harm is defined as likely to cause serious bodily injury. A kick to the head is likely to cause a serious injury. Did my client suffer a debilitating injury as a result of that? No, but that's not the standard. Next up for Richards is the charge against Rittenhouse of the intentional homicide of Anthony Huber. Mr. Huber, he's a rioter, pushing a dumpster lit on fire, going to the barricades to pick up pepper balls, throw them back, pointing his middle finger at the police. He's assisting Rosenbaum at the gas station, hits Rittenhouse two times with the skateboard, and attempts to disarm him. You'll see it all in the slow motion video later on. And Kyle Rittenhouse is running away from Anthony Huber. The state wants to call my client an active shooter. And the reason they want to do that is because of the loaded connotations of that word. Everyone has heard of the theater killings, the school shootings, and things like that. Ask yourself, the definition of an active shooter is somebody with a plan to inflict multiple casualties, usually out of anger or animus towards a group. This case, what caused Kyle Rittenhouse to shoot somebody? Joseph Rosenbaum. He runs after shooting Joseph Rosenbaum for almost two blocks before scene number two. Richards then returns his focus to Prosecutor Binger's characterizations of his client. Mr. Binger makes a big thing about Kyle Rittenhouse not staying around. Car source three after the shooting. Ladies and gentlemen, if Kyle Rittenhouse had stayed at car source three, all that would have happened is it would have made the police have an easier job because scene one and scene two would have been put in the same location. My client ran two blocks without shooting at anyone, pointing at anyone, doing anything to try and get away. He tells the individuals he's going to the police and he's running in that direction when he stopped. He's hitting the head with a hand with a rock in it, knocking his hat off. Who comes in next? Anthony Huber, for the first time. Hits him. Opening statement, Mr. Binger, was he takes a swing at him. Now it's he blocked because we took the videotape and lightened it up. Huber strikes him in the head and arm the first time. 
jump kick man comes in, kicks him in the face, spins his body 180 degrees, and Anthony Huber comes in for the second lick to the shoulder neck area, trying to take his head off. And when he does that, his other hand goes grabbing for the gun, his bare hand onto the gun and pulling it away from Kyle Rittenhouse. Mr. Binger wants Kyle to sit there and hope and pray to God his strap works and Anthony Huber can't get the gun. We don't know that, we'll never know that as he's running away from him. A shot as the gun is being separated from his body and you'll see the butt way far away when the shot is finally fired. Even Gage Grosquitz said he was concerned about the blows that Jump Kick Man and Anthony Huber were inflicting on Kyle's head. That's probably the only thing I agree with, with Mr. Grosquitz. The final count against Rittenhouse that Richards addresses in this section of his closing is the charge of attempted intentional homicide of Gage Grosskreutz. The state must prove beyond a reasonable doubt that what Kyle did under those facts and circumstances was unreasonable, that he was not entitled to self-defense. Consider all the events that had occurred that evening, him being attacked, kicked in the head, hit in the head with a skateboard, other individuals running up on him, and now Mr. Grosquitz runs up on him. And the first action of Mr. Grosquitz, and I'll go through the video later, is really, he's running in, the hand is coming up, and the gunshot with humor goes off. And the natural reaction is the flinch. He covers up. And then he pulls his hands up. And as he's standing with his hands up, look, he's not gripping the gun anymore in a pistol grip, hands apart, hands up. And as he comes in to finish the job, the hand is on the gun going for Mr. Rittenhouse. And he says it's an involuntary movement. The shot comes before it gets directly to his head, but that motion is coming, the shot, and it continues on with that momentum. Enough momentum to go through the bullet and point directly at Kyle's head. Does Kyle fire again? No, he doesn't. Actions likely to cause death or great bodily harm. And he is coming in with a loaded Glock. And we asked Mr. Gro Gage Grosquitz about it. He wouldn't even admit that there was one in the chamber. That's why we had to put on the officer to talk about the unfired shell casing. Lakowski talked about clearing the weapon and a live round coming out. Because Grosquitz won't say anything that puts him in a bad light. Grosquitz, the person who has 10 million reasons to lie. And we all know he did lie, because he never gave a new interview after giving a statement saying he dropped his gun going down the street. Ladies and gentlemen, those are the charges. Those are a synopsis of the charges. As I stated, the burden is on the state, and they must prove beyond a reasonable doubt that my client did not have the right to self-defense. And with that, we conclude this episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. Join us on our next installment as we continue our review of the defense's closing argument in the trial. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. 
Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created, hosted, and produced by yours truly, Carrie Antholis. It was co-produced by Chris Taracone and Aaron Karenik, and it was edited by Chris Taracone. Our consulting producer is Brittany Bookbinder. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio, and Trial Audio is courtesy of Law and Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. <laughs>